your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Here's what irritates me about hockey and, and the media perception. Tom Wilson hurt an opponent with a headshot in the first round. Tom Wilson hurt Brian Dumoulin with a headshot on Sunday. He didn't get suspended for either infraction, but what kind of player he is isn't a well-kept secret, except apparently to the New York Times, the nation's paper of record, because today the New York Times has a story on Tom Wilson and his crummy 14 goals, and the story says he's not just a goon anymore. First line with Ovechkin and all that. It's bad enough the NHL ignores the headshots, but now the New York Times is glamorizing a guy that delivers headshots. Tom Wilson is just a goon, period. He's just a thug, period. He's just a meathead, period. His shenanigans belong in the National Enquirer and not the New York Times. again brought to you by 84 Lumber helping you build the right way since 1956 let's get the hockey talk going 412-333-9939 I wrote a column in the trip today about the Capitals game plan against the Penguins these last three playoff series in 2016 they hit Mata in the head in 2017 they hit Crosby in the head and this year they hit Dumoulin in the head. Uh, so their game plan seems to be to hit the Penguins in the head as often as possible. Uh, and a lot of people on Twitter said, what about Matt Cook? And what about when James Neal need Brad Marchand in the head? Uh, I never defended Matt Cook. But I wish the Penguins had him right now because I always referred to Cook as the necessary evil when he was on the Penguins. And... Uh, like I said, I wish they had him right now. When Matt Cook, Matt Cook was a lot like Wilson. He was very precise and merciless when he took cheap shots at guys. It was just what he did. It didn't really get him emotionally off kilter. Again, it was in his own job description. And what James Deal did was pretty lousy, but at least he got the right guy. If, if somebody would cheap shot Brad Marchand every shift of every game, it would take a couple years before hockey in general got even with Brad Marchand for the uh, vicious way he's played the game. Now, I got this posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. You should check it out. I looked at a video of the hit Drew Doughty got suspended a game for in the first round against this guy Carrier from Vegas. That hit, it, it was bad and deserves suspended, but Wilson's two hits. In the first round and then Sunday against Dumoulin, Wilson's two hits were both worse than Doughty's. The star got suspended and the goon didn't. And you got to conclude that's because George Paros, the dean of discipline, 
it's because Paros was a goon. It's the goon looking at it from the goon's perspective and helping out his fellow goon. There is no other conclusion to make but that one. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, I have a question for you. Why do you think that Mike Sullivan does uh, puts Zach Aston Reese on the fourth line and Dominic Simone on the second line? I thought that uh, Zach Aston Reese had a little bit more upside and would be better off on the second line. I just wasn't I, sure. I, what, what I are your think thoughts? so. I think so too. Uh, I think Aston Reese is a better player. Period. Uh, maybe it's because Sullivan feels Dominic Simone is a better skater. But if he is, he's not that much better of a skater. But that's the only thing I can think of. I, I would have Reese where Simone is and Simone where Reese is. But once Hagelin gets healthy, I suppose that's a moot point. It is weird, though, that when Hagelin was in the lineup, Zach Aston Reese played and Simone didn't. But when Hagelin got hurt, Simone jumped in the lineup further up the depth chart than Aston Reese. That struck me as funny. Okay, Mike, thank you for the call. If you won't talk, we'll then move on. 412-333-9939. Up. One thing I'm going to get to later is it's amazing to me that the NHL doesn't have a system, I don't know whether it's a tracker in the puck or whatever, where you know that the puck is in the net, where it crosses the goal line and there's a system in place, the technology to say for sure right then and there that the puck's in. They got something like that in soccer. They got that system that calls the lines in tennis. They got the strike zone in baseball, even though they don't use it. How on earth could hockey not have something like that? 412-333-9939 is the number to call if you're just tuning in. I, I hate to say for sure, because I don't know for sure, but it looks like Malkin is going to play, and it looks like there's a uh, it, like Brian Doom was going to play. They both took the skate. They were both in regular jerseys. Neither stayed on the ice for extra skating afterwards. It looks like Malkin and Doomblin will play tonight. But to be crystal clear, Mike Sullivan said, uh, both those players, as well as Carl Haglin, who wore a no-contact shirt today, who did stay on the ice for extra practice today, they are all game-time decisions. Let's go to Tom on the north side. Tom, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I just had a, a quick comment. I heard you talking about Vegas and Flurry and uh, Carlson. I was looking at Carlson's stats. Isn't it amazing that the past two years with uh, – Columbus, he only had nine goals and six goals, and now this year he has 43. Do you think that's a product of the tort system? I don't know. Uh, I think it's more product that he didn't get the opportunity in Columbus. But how can that be, Tom? Because in Columbus, uh, uh, now as then, their center position is so weak. How could they have let him leave? Well, you can only protect so many guys, and Vegas took him instead of Brandon Dubinsky, I'm sure, but... uh, He's certainly the one that got away from the Columbus Blue Jackets, isn't he? Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks. Thank you for the call. Okay, well, we got Stan Savard at the bottom of the hour. We got hockey talk from now till then. Steeler talk if you want. As I said a moment ago, 
I don't see how the Steelers fix their defense. You know, people say safeties can play instead of linebackers. Their safeties aren't very good either. Look at what they have up the middle. A bunch of bums and journeymen. That's what they have, excluding, of course, the front three who are, who are pretty good. But I don't see how they fix that defense, and I don't see how they beat a good team in a playoff game with that defense. I just don't see how that's possible. But mostly today, we want to talk hockey. Uh, it would be huge for the Penguins to win tonight, huge for the Capitals to win tonight, too. The Capitals, uh, I don't think, want to lose both games at Pittsburgh and get down three games to one like they did last year. Last year, they got down three games to one. They won two straight and almost pulled it off. But the key phrase, key word there is, of course, almost. And uh, I really do think if the Penguins took it to a game seven this year at Washington, again, they would win that game seven in Washington again. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's 105.9 The X. This is Justin Schultz of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Uh, there is a SpongeBob SquarePants musical currently playing on Broadway. Here's a spoiler. At the end of the musical, Tom Wilson of the Capitals targets SpongeBob's head and SpongeBob dies. Nickelodeon doesn't even hold a hearing. Game three is tonight between the Penguins and Capitals. You can hear all the action right here on the X or come to Buford's on 5th where I'm at right now. You can win some tickets. We're giving them away at 6 o'clock, but you got to be here to get them. That's with Bud and Bud Light. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Rob in the car. Rob, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Good afternoon to you on this nice day. Good afternoon. I wanted to ask you a question about Afghani Malkin. Um, I love the man's work ethic. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, that Kessel line just just hasn't been the same without him. And I wanted uh, to ask you if it's possible, do you think the Penguins can win without him? Win what? Thank you. Win what? The Stanley Cup. Be tough, but they won last year without Latang. I cannot count this group up, no matter what the negative circumstances may be, but it would be difficult. And I think uh, Kessel's difficulty, more than not having Malkin available as a linemate, and don't forget, for most of the regular season, Kessel didn't play with Malkin. Well, I take that back. It was about a 50-50 split. Uh, Kessel playing with either Malkin or Riley Shane and then Derek Broussard once he got here. But I think the big problem with Kessel is he's playing hurt. That's it. He's going to have to keep playing hurt because you need all hands on deck in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's talk to Jason in West Virginia. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, man. What's, how you doing? What's up? Hey, I was uh, curious as to your thoughts on – I've noticed as the past two games have gone on, as with any playoff series, it's just gotten chippier. You know, the things are picking up physically. And do you think that benefits Pittsburgh or Washington more uh, in the aspect of off, throwing the other off the game? Or Well, that, or, that depends, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, you don't want your players to get hit in the head. But I think the worst thing the Penguins could do is retaliate. These are two different kinds of hockey teams. The Capitals rely – Far more in physicality and intimidation the Penguins do, but the Penguins have prospered in the past against the Capitals and other like-minded teams in the playoffs if they just you know hold their ground, keep their heads, and just play. That's Sullivan's philosophy to just play. I mean, what are you suggesting the Penguins should do? Oh no, I agree with you. I think that I think that if the Penguins stay disciplined like they have in the past two years and just play their game, it doesn't matter how chippy the other team gets. 
it throws the other team off the game as opposed to the Penguins, I think it benefits Pittsburgh more. Well, a lot depends on what the referees call, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. You know, and, and that's one thing that does worry me. If the Capitals continue their shenanigans, not only will there be a body count, as there has been already in the two games, but uh, it, it will just allow the damage to mount and allow the Penguins to, you know, not be rewarded when the traffic illegally slows them down. It's like I said, the, the, the Wilson hit on Dumoulin after the Wilson hit on Wenberg in the first run against Columbus. If it's not going to be punished, why wouldn't you do it? And that trickles down to a lot of the stuff we're talking about, be it the chippiness or interfering, uh, whatever the Capitals do to slow Pittsburgh down. Leaves the line open for Hockey Talk, 412-333-9939. Let's go to Chuck in Millville. Chuck, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, my question, I've had this question for years, never brought it up, but uh, it seems like Kevin Colbert does not take the recipe from the Patriots by going into free agency and maybe picking up one or two more pieces for the defense and solidifying the defense. Well, I just, I'm going to hang up and let you talk, but what's your opinion on that? Why no, do no, no, don't, 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 don't hang up and let okay. me talk. That's not how this show works. Let okay. me hang up on you now and then ignore your question. 412-333-9939. Uh, the, the reason the Steelers didn't go into free agency heavily is because that's not what they do. I mean, you, you sound like some old bastard who's near death. Don't you pay attention? The, when's the last time the Steelers dipped into free agency for a big name, let alone a few big names? That's what the Patriots do. It's not what the Steelers do. And if you want to say the Patriots' way works better, maybe that's because they have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And, and you know, there was a uh, Tom Brady did an interview today with Jim Gray, by the way. Jim Gray, who climbs out from under a rock every so often to stage a big interview with a big name. And Tom Brady was bitching and moaning about how he feels underappreciated by uh, Patriots ownership and, and, and management and coaching. And uh, I, I, I get that because Tom Brady has taken a lot less money than he could have gotten to enable the team to bring in free agents like that last caller mentioned and you know, just have a better team to use that extra money. But that's easy for Brady to do because his wife makes a lot more than he does. Giselle, the supermodel. So while I give Brady credit, he's doing something that is pretty much he's, he's able to do because he's in a unique situation. Uh, so if Brady wants extra praise for that, extra appreciation for that, that's fine. But he is uniquely equipped in his personal life to do that. Let's go to Matt in the car. Matt, you're on with Double M. Yes, Mark. Hey, you know, with all the technology and cameras that Toronto has, why is it that on the television they were able to show that that puck was over the line and it was definitive? So how was it that they didn't see that shot, or why did they say that it wasn't definitive? I don't know. That's all I can say, Matt, is I, I don't know. It's amazing that NBC had the shot and the NHL didn't. And uh, furthermore, given the technology available and given the cameras available, why aren't there a lot more cameras on each goal that can sort this out beyond the shadow of a dot and do it a lot quicker than they usually do do? Let's go to Chad and Fox Chapel. Chad, you're on with Mark. Mark, it's, 
Yeah, it's Chaz, actually, Chaz. Okay, Chaz. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you with the NHL. I mean, it, it's just it's a garbage league, like when you said back in the day. I mean, I cannot believe, uh, you know, it's it just letting the pure skill win out. They just let uh, the psych mentality back from back in the 50s and 60s take over, and even the 70s. Like well, it, it's, it's a Canadian thing, Chaz. It's Canadian. They want the game to be just as much about toughness as it is skill. That's what they want. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And also, by the way, my shoes do cost more than your house. I, I doubt that. Well, you live in Fox Chapel, so there's a shot. Let's go to Mark in Madison. Mark, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, you know, this is a suggestion that's probably not going not gonna to happen, but I, if I could change, I'd put Hunwick in for Rue Weedle and Sprong for Simone. Okay, they're not going to play Sprong. I know. And, 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 and you know what? It would be dumb to play him. He's barely played in the league this year. And uh, Simone's a left wing, Sprong's a right wing, so I'm not sure they're interchangeable per se. As far as Hunwick for Ruweedle, part of me thinks that's a good idea, but I can tell you why they do not do it. It's because Ruweedle's right-handed. They really want a right-handed defenseman in there, and they like Ruweedle on the PK a lot more than they do Hunwick. Thank you for the call. Up next, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's the great Stan Saverin coming your way here on 105.90X. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. I welcome now to the show the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. He is the great Stan Saverin. Stan, it's one game apiece coming back to Pittsburgh. Game three tonight. Where is this series headed? Well, I'll probably tell you better around 10 o'clock. Um, obviously, the team that wins goes up. Um, by the two to one margin, which in and of itself is not going to clinch anything, uh, but I do think it, it may be a bit more important for the Penguins in this regard um, that you know they 're only one and two at home during the playoffs after being great during the regular season. I mean, you never want to lose playoff games at home. They got what they wanted in d c now it 's time to consolidate the one victory they got by winning at home. You not only take the lead, but I also think, Mark, it's entirely possible that, you know, maybe the Capitals are beginning to feel good about themselves. They won that game, and game number two. But if you're able to beat them, um, maybe then you sort of resuscitate that, oh, no, it's the Penguins. Uh, I mean, obviously, it'll depend on how the game goes. It'll be less so if they lose 2-1. to one. But if the Penguins take care of business, um, I don't think that's completely gone away from the minds of the Capitals. It can't. Uh, there's too much history there, especially with Holtby. So, I mean, in that respect, if, if the mental aspect of these playoffs mean anything, and I think they do, uh, I think it's it's very important for the Penguins to win tonight. Well, to me, the worst thing for the Penguins about the first two games was the Penguins came out flat and got down a goal right away. That, that's that got to stop. From that standpoint, they were lucky to win one of the first two games. I, I couldn't agree more. And if, listen, if you want to go back to game six of the Flyers series, the same thing happened. And if you think back, and I was checking uh, you know, back in, in some of the games, uh, if you really look at the last month or so, give or take a week, of the regular season, they were getting off to bad starts. The fact that they're able to come back is admirable, but not something you want to rely on. I mean, there's no question that you, know, you don't want to fuel the Capitals, especially um, in the first minute of periods, which minute and a half, which they done uh, on three different occasions now in this series. Uh, you know why? You know why throw some red meat at the Capitals, even if the game is here in Pittsburgh? Absolutely, I, there's no excuse for that. There just isn't. 
Should the Penguins retaliate against Tom Wilson? Because that's really not how the Penguins operate. No, I don't think they should. That, that having been said, I don't think you pass up a chance if you get one, you know, with a, with a clean shot. Um, I also think that, you know, maybe you ratchet up your game, not retaliatory, but, you know, you look at a guy like Kuznetsov or Backstrom, one of those guys, not Wilson necessarily, but say, okay, um, you know, we can do that too. Again, not going out of your way, but be a bit more physical. That doesn't get you out of your game. If you're running after Tom Wilson or Ovechkin or anybody else, that does get you out of your game. I don't think you have to do that. I actually thought, Mark, I don't know what you thought. Uh, I actually thought they responded well after the Wilson hit. Uh, that gave Alexiak a lot more time to play. I thought he was especially physical, uh, and I thought that that hit on Dumoulin ratcheted up the Penguins' physical game. Nothing crazy, but let them know you're there. No, I agree that uh, they handled the loss of Dumoulin well, but I don't think you can do that indefinitely. And obviously you don't want Matt Hunwick in the lineup uh, unless it really is an emergency. And that would qualify as one if he had to play. Now, are the Capitals trying to injure the Penguins, intentionally trying to put guys out? Because, boy, there's quite the pattern over these last three years. There is. I've noted the same thing and made it a point of discussion on my show. Uh, even going back to you know earlier days, he doesn't do it much anymore. But Ovechkin, if you remember, taking runs at Malkin, but that was under a different regime. Uh, that was under Barbecue Bruce. But when you stop and look. Uh, Brooks Orpik's hit on Olimata, for which he paid. Niskanen's hit on Crosby, for which he paid. Wilson's hit on Dumoulin, for which he didn't pay, but was every bit as intentional. Um, you begin to wonder if that's not coming directly from Trotz, who really doesn't have that kind of reputation. I'm sure that Trotz told him and said, look, you've got to be physical with these guys. Um, Sometimes, though, some of these people take it over the edge. Wilson, of course, is already over the edge, so it's not a very far trip for him. Uh, but we've also seen that teams like Columbus, they've tried that. It hasn't worked. They don't have much choice because that's the only way they can play. It's the way they're built. But the Capitals have tried it the last two years, and you'll remember that two years ago, Tampa Bay tried to do that with them early in the series. When it didn't work, they stopped doing it. Um, I don't know if the Capitals will stop doing it. I would imagine that they'll walk not quite as close to the line tonight, uh, realizing they got away with something with the Wilson hit. We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Stan, let's talk about a couple things that are causing uh, angst among Penguin fans. I think Matt Murray is playing very well, but fans keep bitching about his glove. Well, the narrative was, you know, picked up by the NBC crew. The truth of the matter is that this has been a narrative we've been talking about for two years. I mean, they're acting like they invented this flaw. Uh, I remember having these conversations uh, with people going back to 2016 when he took over for Flurry in net. Um, I mean, I do think it's somewhere where people are going to shoot. I mean, it's like any other sport. If they think that they can take advantage or they found a flaw, they're going to keep exploiting it. The fact that he, um, and again, the Conley goal I thought was stoppable. But, I mean, if you're going to put the most gifted goal scorer of our generation or this generation um, on breakaways all the time, give him point-blank shots, I don't care where he's shooting, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, we talked about this glove hand thing going back to two years ago. Um, and two cups later, we're still talking about it. I mean, I have no doubt they think they found a flaw. We talk about the Penguins breaking goaltenders, which they've done many times in the past. They may have found that high glove is the way to go, but I think, A, the Penguins defense or the entire five-man defensive unit could protect them a little better. And all I know is, is that you can't break Matt Murray. 
He's too strong mentally. He's not Jim Carrey. Uh, he's, he's not going to be one of those guys where they break a guy in the course of a series. He's just not going to break. He might not win the series, but he's not, it's not going to be because he breaks. Broussard could produce more, no question. But is he playing well otherwise? Um, I think that that would be a little too complimentary, to be honest. Uh, he does have a lot more to give. Look, he, they wanted to continue their huge advantage with strength down the middle, which they've had the last two cup runs. That disappeared. Uh, Broussard was brought in to restore that kind of advantage they have over every other team. No other team can match them, one through four at center. But I don't think that Broussard is living up to his end of the bargain. Again, I don't think he's played poorly, um, but, you know, adequate doesn't win cups. I think he's got to be a lot better. I mean, he's got to be significantly better than he's been. Uh, it can't be that he's still adjusting to the system. I mean, the trade deadline was how many months ago now? Um, it's it's uh, two months ago, more than two months ago now. Um, and I, I can't buy that as the reason why. No, if he had never done this before, Mark, you'd say, well, maybe. But we know that he has been a big playoff producer. They need a lot more from him, and especially now because he's going to be paired with Kessel, at least for the time being, beginning tonight. Um, they've got to get each other going. I think Kessel has a lot more to give, but I definitely think Broussard has much, much, much more to give. Well, uh, isn't bottom six scoring in general a problem? For example, Connor Sherry, zero goals. Oh, it is. Uh, but I also think, uh, while you don't excuse Sherry for not, for not scoring, uh, Broussard has the pedigree to do that. Kessel certainly does, now that he's again on the bottom six. But I, 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 you know, we think bottom six, we think, you know, checker, grinder, all that kind of stuff. The Penguins' third line, if you've got Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel, um, uh, I prefer to look at it as top nine. I mean, they're more, that group, especially with Broussard and Kessel, they're more closely aligned with the top two lines than they are with the line below it. I mean, I think you have to make that distinction. They are not a traditional third line, and they're expected to perform better than a traditional third line or what we've come to expect from third lines. The Caps held Sid off the score sheet on Sunday, and obviously Sid's played brilliantly and really played well on Sunday too, but just couldn't get a point. But that's a pretty good formula for winning. I mean, if I'm Washington, I look at that game Sunday, you contained Sid, Ovi scored, Holtby played well. You want to rinse and repeat with that, don't you? Yeah, you do, although he would have gotten an assist on the Hornquist goal, no goal, no goal, goal, goal. Um, that would have been an assist for, uh, for him. But I also think you'd have to say, and look, there's contradictory evidence. I mean, they did win game one without Evgeny Malkin. They lit it up for eight against the Flyers without Malkin in game six. Of course, that's the Flyers. These are the Capitals. But I also think Malkin coming back, whatever defense pairs they want to use, whatever lines they want to use against Sid, A, although Sullivan's not a big matchup guy, Trotz loses that advantage. And number two, now you have to be careful about who you want to match up with Sid. You can't load up on that number one line, which has been astounding. My biggest concern, Mark, back to your, 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 your uh, question before, is that the Penguins have become, at least in the last four games, 
uh, and really these entire playoffs, a one-line team. I mean, the top line has got 17 goals and 40 points, and that's great, but you can't win in the playoffs, even the Penguins, if you're a one-line team. But with Malkin coming back tonight, and if you get a bump from Bassard and Kessel on the third line, now all of a sudden that makes their matchups very difficult. And not that Sid needs that much help, but that'll really free him up, because if you want to put your top defense pair or your top defensive line against the Sid line, then all of a sudden you're going to pay a price against the second and third line in terms of matchups what was your take on the no goal call with hornquist up uh, i just can't believe that there isn't definitive technology that can't get that right in an instance because that technology exists in boy just about every other sport you could name well number one um i am a big proponent of replay i believe in it and if the object of replay is to get it right then when you've got the opportunity you have to get it right um uh, I think the first problem we had was there was never a definitive call on the ice, so we didn't know what we were dealing with in terms of whether it was conclusive enough to overturn either way. We really didn't find out uh, until much later in that regard. Um, to me, uh, like everybody else, I cannot believe that the people in Toronto, unless Canadian TVs are different than American TVs, that you couldn't see the freeze frame, and clearly the, the puck was in. I understand you can't use deductive reasoning. That by itself, um, uh, a bunch of the Penguins were saying that Holtby brought it back out. But be that as it may, with the still frame, even Mike Milbury said he thought it was a goal. If you've got the technology to get it right, why wasn't that enough? It also seems to me, and I've wanted this for a long time, if the definitive look is with an overhead camera, then there ought to be an overhead camera installed in every building in the NHL. They can afford it technologically. Uh, it, it's possible. People are talking about these infrared pucks and all that kind of stuff. If it goes over the goal line, well, maybe it's a little far flung for the NHL, but there's no reason why they can't install an overhead camera. That's not going to be 100% definitive, but it, it's going to give you the best look in cases such as this. Stan, great stuff. I will see you Thursday on your program and enjoy the game tonight. Uh, you too, Mark. Thank you. That is Stan Savin, the godfather. And he's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. In just a few moments, I'll be talking to Bob McLaughlin. If you want to talk hockey, dial now, 412-333-WXDX. I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue with the good people of Bud and Bud Light. And we're giving away tickets at 6 o'clock. But you've got to be here to register, and you've got to be here to win. So, get yourself down to Buford's. If you don't win, just stick around and watch the game on the big screen or on one of the many TVs here on at Buford's Fifth Avenue. I'm Mark Madden, Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9. This is Connor Sherry of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Uh, double M on The X. Uh, we got Bob McLaughlin, but uh, listen to this. Ben Roethlisberger uh, told the Post-Gazette today, that he plans on playing for three to five more years, depending on how the line goes and staying healthy, if I can stay healthy. He said that in regard uh, to the Steelers drafting Mason Rudolph in the third round. And uh, he said, quote, if he's going to be the guy, that's great, but in my perfect world, it's not going to be for a while. Wow. <laughs> three to five more years. Bob, what do you make of that? I Five more years? 
Ben says some nutty stuff. I think that's <laughs> nutty, don't you? That's what I think. Yeah, you got to love it, though, right? I mean, especially, boy, if he's following your credo of what's best for the show, Mark, that is three oh, to I would love to see Ben play five more years. But, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they would have taken Mason Rudolph and Ben said that before the draft. No, you're right. But, uh, again, never a dull moment with number seven. And uh, if he wants to stick around, if the gunslinger still got it, you know, then, uh, boy, he certainly has built up the... Uh, the well, the, now, now, Bob, let me let me throw the, uh, the I don't want to say best case scenario because I wish what, what's best for Ben, first and foremost, because as I made pretty clear, I'll have zero emotional attachment to football in this town once he retires. <laughs> but what if they're really convinced Rudolph's the guy? Would they push Ben out at some point? You mean after the three years, like after this contract step, uh, uh, finishes? Yes. Uh, they would. It would be in their right. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, we've seen them do this to other Steelers in the past when your time is up and they deem your time is up. Uh, they're the ones to make the call. They don't, they don't sit around and wait for the player to make that call much. That, that is part of their DNA. So the Steelers will have well, final word. Bob, let, me, let me interrupt. Ben's contract expires after 2019. So if he's going to play even three more years, they got to sign onto an extension, and I would bet it's an extension for more than one year. Good point, and I would bet if he wanted that, then yeah, they would do that. But again, when it's when it's time for the Steelers to make the call, no matter where they're at in the contract status, uh, I think that they've shown that's in there. That's how they do it. That's the Steeler way that they make the call, not the player. You know what it reminds me of very much. It reminds me of Brady. Kind of getting antsy when he thought Garoppolo was was intruding upon his turf. Ben's kind of reacting the same way to Mason Rudolph, isn't he? Yeah, well put. And uh, you already alluded to the fact earlier today that in some interview, Ben, uh, I mean, Tom Brady wouldn't comment on what his relationship is with the Patriots right now. And let's hope it never gets like that with the Steelers. Let's hope they have a nice run. He's got a couple more Super Bowls under his belt, and they part ways amicably, and he rides off into the sunset uh, well, if there's ever sun here in Pittsburgh. But uh, let's hope it's not a replay of what's going on with Brady and the Patriots right now. When I hear Ben talk that way, I think it's going to end bad. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then, but I just don't think they're going to want him to play more than three more years. I can see that. I can also see things going Ben's way, uh, him having some success uh, in one or two or three of these next three years, and then him saying, okay, my time here is done. I've got the legacy. Time for me to go. Who should make the call, Ben or the team? Oh, the team. I, I well, think no, the, the team. The, Bob, the, the team will. Who should make the call? Um, well, I guess, Mark, you got it. It depends on the circumstances at that time. If Ben's not getting it done, say three years from now, and he wants to stick around and maybe he's got another year on the deal that you just talked about, um, maybe it has to be the team who makes it by that time. Bob, I'm, I'm a Ben guy, but uh, as much money as Ben Roethlisberger has and as much power as Ben Roethlisberger has within the context of that organization, the Roonies have more money and the Roonies have more power. I think the guys with the money and power always should make the call. Now, let's let's move move back to hockey here in the time we have left. Uh, it looks like Malkin and Dumlin are going to play tonight. That's not a guarantee, but the circumstances certainly point in that direction. What will that do for the Penguins? Oh, huge lift. Huge bump, especially um, like we talked about yesterday. In this scenario right now, with the way this team is made, Dumo might be the bigger 
you know, availability, the bigger asset for this game tonight because the defense would be in shambles. I if- think a better way to put that, Bob, is Gino's a better player, but right this second with this team, Dumo's harder to replace in the context of this playoff series. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. So if they get him back tonight... All is, let's say, stable. They're not mixing everything up. They're not changing it. It's Dumo Latang. It's Schultz with Mata. It's Ruedel with Alexiak. If they get Malkin back, probably that helps out Broussard and Kessel get going again because they seem to be the two names that everybody's writing and talking about right now. Does Kessel go right back with Malkin? What would you do there? I would put Kessel with Malkin, yeah. I would have them. I would. You need to jumpstart Phil Kessel somehow. And maybe it's only for a couple of shifts tonight, Mark. Or maybe you switch it around and then he gets a point or he gets a goal and then you pull it back. But you need to get 81 going. Huge asset to this team. Okay, let me, let me throw a monkey wrench in that notion, though. And I agree with it normally. But you put Malkin and Kessel together, you've got two guys both playing hurt on the same line. And uh, without Haglin... Who does all the grunt work? Is it going to be Dominic Simone? I don't know about that. Um, if, well, if it shouldn't be Dominic Simone, no. And I don't know necessarily. I know everybody's talking about Kessel being hurt, so should I just assume he is? He, he looks like something's wrong, and that's not exactly uh, you know, uh, um, an MD speaking in my case, but he looks like something's wrong. Okay, yeah, I, I would understand that. Um, Okay, so you go that way, then you take... What would you do? Would you move Aston Reese then up to two? Uh, I would. They're not going to. I, I don't know what they'd do, honestly. It seems... Uh, I would think that Aston Reese would be on the second line, would be a better person on the second line because of his size. Maybe they're thinking that Simon is faster. He can be the one to go into the corners and get the puck for Gino because they don't want Gino anywhere near the corners digging things out right now if he's playing hurt. Who do you scratch if Gino comes back? I would assume it would be Simone or Rowney. Who would you scratch? Uh, it would be Rowney. Yeah, but it won't be. <laughs> um, then it would be Simone. <laughs> well, no, no. What I'm saying, Bob, is they like Rowney as a right-handed face-off option. I, I mean, um, then again, Shane's the fourth-line center at that point. Okay, for me, I'd scratch Ronnie, but, but they like him on the PK. Ronnie will stay in the lineup. But they I re- almost guarantee that. And they really like Riley Sheehan, though, right? I mean, they like what he does at center. They like him in the faceoff, and they can move him well, around. No, no, right, but Ronnie would be the right wing. Kuhnhockel would be the left wing on that fourth line. Yeah, you got to keep Kuhnhockel. Okay, so if they keep, some, they keep Simon on two with Malkin and Rust, then they keep Aston Reese on the left with Sheehan and Kuhnhockel. So then, well, let's see. You, you want to move Kessel up with Malkin tonight, right? I, I think what winds up happening is I think Kessel jumps between, uh, excuse me, Malkin jumps between Kessel and Simone. Uh, Simone's out, uh, uh, Ronnie's out of the lineup, and Shane drops to the fourth line center. Which I'm okay with. I, I guess uh, I'd rather have, well, no, I mean, well, I think Simone and Ronnie are both lousy, so make them fight for it, Bob. That would be fun. Uh, how much more does was does Brassard need to do? Well, with a nickname like Big Game Brass, um, look, I'm not saying he's not creating right now. It just doesn't. It seems like he's got more to give, and everybody talks about more to give. Whether that's a goal tonight, whether it's two goals tonight, whether it's two assists tonight, something like that. Part of the problem, I think, is that Kessel. Hasn't been playing at 100% as we just talked about. So, of course, Broussard is going to have a tougher time. Also, if one or two, one of the two of them gets going tonight, maybe that picks the other one up just 
you know, by uh, birds of a feather being on the same line if they are. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts tonight, Mark. I guess we just got to see how it works out. But definitely you need more from Kessel. You definitely need more from Broussard. For, uh, the secondary scoring altogether, you need more from them. Yeah, Sherry, zero goals in eight games, and that kind of sums up the secondary scoring. Broussard, just one goal so far, I believe. That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just a few minutes, I'm going to, 30 seconds actually, I'm going to talk about another reason why the NHL just frustrates the bejesus out of me. 105.9 The X.